All views expressed in the Vecinos podcast by the guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent, and does not represent the opinions of any entity or the opinions of any of Ogilvy, SC Johnson, Viacom CBS, the companies affiliated, or within the Vecinos Collective. Today's episode will be the first of a two-part special. Part one will focus on race and colorism in the Latinx community. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. I welcome you. My name is Amilcar Priestley. Uh, this is the Vecinos podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. This podcast is brought to you by the Vecinos Collective, which is made up of a vibrant and diverse community of Latinx business and employee resource groups across various industries. Our goal is to foster an environment of inclusion, visibility, and professional development through collaboration, networking, and mentoring for our members and the Latinx community at large. We are bringing a group of panelists together every week during uh, Latino Heritage Month to discuss important issues that matter to you and to the Latinx community as a whole. Today's topic will be race, colorism, and Black Lives Matter in the Latino community. We welcome, uh, to start off, we'd like to welcome our panelists. Uh, our first panelist is Ms. Christina Marshall Valdez, Global Brand Manager and Sustainability Lead for Ziploc Brand, SC Johnson. Next, we have Ms. John Viv Williams Comrie, Executive Director of Afro Resistance. Joining us also is Heidi Munoz. Gady, hi. Gady <laughs> Munoz, excuse me, please it's forgive okay. me. It's okay. Integrated Marketing Manager for the CBS Stations Group. And also joining us is Ms. Claribel Ruiz, founder of Dominicans Love Haitians Movement, as well as the Black Doll Project. And my name is Amilcar Priestley. I am the director of the Afro-Latino Project, as well as the co-director of the Afro-Latino Festival and the Liberación Film Festival. So um, I welcome all of you. And without further ado, I would like to, um, to, to jump in. Uh, <clears throat> so what I'd like to start off with is explicating a bit about the substance of what we're, we're talking about. Uh, for m many of you, but perhaps not all of you, uh, may know that there are uh, approximately 125 to 150 million people of African descent uh, in Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, that was, by last count, um, uh, the most accurate number, although um, one of the issues um, that has arisen or that continues to arise is an accurate census count. Um, these descendants uh, of, of African descendants obviously didn't come from, from nowhere. They didn't arrive to Latin America and the rest of the Americas in a vacuum, but they were part of the transatlantic slave trade um, that uh, occurred, uh, that began 500 years ago and ended in certain instances only 150 years ago, for example, Brazil. Um, and these enslaved Africans were foundational to the creation of the, of the Americas, of all of the countries in the Americas, um, were instrumental in developing the economies, in fighting in various civil wars, um, and in 
<clears throat> in no uncertain terms, in 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 fomenting uh, what some would call um, a, a a national and cultural identity uh, within each respective country in Latin America, right? Um, once, w oftentimes, what has happened is that the conversation around Afro Latinos, and we found the conversation around Afro Latinos starts um, at this time frame. Um, you know, 500 years ago, slavery, and kind of just fast forwards to the present day. And so we, we're, we're, our goal here is to provide a couple touch points and, 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 and key uh, uh, time frames um, in the history of Afro-Latinos um, throughout the Americas and different countries. Um, so br very briefly, um, the, one of the most important uh, dates, obviously, um, in Latin America um, and in the Western Hemisphere um, is the Haitian Revolution, um, which occurred, I believe it was uh, January 1, 1804. That uh, was, uh, that is arguably followed by the independence efforts in respective countries that came around the 19, 18, 1840s and 1850s. During these independence movements in, in in uh, whether it's um, Central American, uh, the Central American region, South American region, or um, the, what's the, I guess they arguably would be called the Vis Royalty, um, which comprised Mexico and, and Belize, the majority or a big bulk of the fighting for the independence, whether it be from Spain or from the respective surrounding countries, were, were, was done by people of African descent. Um, you know, this was a means of, for some, of mobility. Um, in, in, some, in some respects, there are similarities to the experiences of people of African descent who arrived in the United States, or what is known as the United States, right? With some, with some, uh, with some significant variations, but there are some uh, uh, nuanced similarities. And, um, uh, and one of the other important dates is immediately following the um, the Spanish American War, where the United States uh, liberated uh, quote unquote uh, the Philippines, Puerto Rico, and Cuba, was the uh, race war of 1912 in Cuba, right? And that that is a significant date um, because that was when uh, black soldiers who had fought for Cuba's independence um, were then turned upon um, and massacred. Um, uh, there's a, there's a, there are a number of other dates, and, and, and some, of the, some of our guests will be familiar with them, so I invite them to, to, to share those as well. Um, but one of the key points that, that I think we should, we should uh, I would like to touch on is that after 1912 to the present day, there was a whole flurry of movement and activism that has given rise to the movements that we see present day. Um, and so it's a blessing for us to have been, to, to be part of what we're seeing now, but it's also important to keep in, there was a lot of work that, had, that was done prior to this by a lot of people, um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, at the end of this, we'll be happy to share some additional resources um, uh, for people to be able to gain more and more knowledge and information. Um, but at this time, what I'd like to do is to segue into uh, one, some of the more contemporary issues of the day, 
um, that uh, that we will be covering and that that we as a community and as a society are facing, right? Um, and so, kind of fast forward to 2020, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, as we all know. We're also in the middle of a the latest, um, uh, I guess, incarnation of a social justice and racial justice efforts um, that has swept across the country, uh, the United States, in, in, in since uh, May. Um, and part of that uh, conversation involves, um, you know, the disparate treatment or, or an abusive treatment that people of color, specifically uh, uh, Black and Latino folks, but as, as well as indigenous communities face at the hands of police officers um, in the United States. Uh, one of the things that I think is, is important to note, um, and I, I'm hoping that, that some of us will, will some of us will get into it, is that this conversation that we are having here in the United States is not exclusive to the United States. Uh, it's a conversation uh, that is being had and has been had in a number of different countries in the Americas and continues to be had. Um, and so this isn't a conversation that's being had in a vacuum, that's being had in isolation from our respective homes if we are, you know, first generation, um, or our ancestral homes if we're second generation or, or otherwise. Uh, these, are all, these are all pressing and present conversations, right? Um, and so what I'd like to do and start out with um, is to just generally get everyone's, one by one, everyone's impression uh, of the current state that we find ourselves in with respect, not just to, you know, the disparate treatment regarding COVID-19, uh, but also um, the racial justice efforts that uh, are currently uh, all over the news. So I guess I'd like to start um, with John Vive um, and work our way down, and I'll get to each, each of you. Um, but Javine, would you please um, share with us your thoughts and impressions? Thank you, Amelia, and it's John Vive, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Jean -Bierre. Jean -Bierre. Um, so thank you for organizing this panel. And if I understood the, the question correctly, it's the racial justice efforts that are that are in place and that are currently under that are currently underway. Um, the protest movement. Um, and so just to give your impression as to uh, as to your thoughts on on uh, generally, and then um, from from each of you your thoughts with respect to. Afro-Latinos or Afro-Latinidad and where that fits in. Got it. So we're talking in the U.S. context first. In, in the U.S. context, but uh, please expand, expand upon your own um, expertise. So if you can relate uh, this conversation to something that's happened or is happening elsewhere, please do. Got it. Um, so, so I feel like in, in the case of, in the U.S. context, right, it's still very polarized, right? So we have, um, and this is my personal opinion, and from an organization too, right? Afro, um, Afro Resistance is an organization that is um, all of the, the members and the staff members of, of Afro Resistance are undeniably Black women from Latin America, right? So th that's really important for me to center because we don't identify as Black. We are simply Black women. We haven't come into our blackness. We have always existed as black women. And we have always known that black lives matter. Like this is not something new that we have learned along the way and come into our blackness and all that kind of stuff. 
so when we hear right um folks from latin america centering it as something very separate um around yes we need to center that black lives actually matter and that these people matter we are saying you're actually being hypocrites you are being very hypocritical because in your country of origin in your own community where you are living black people have never really mattered and you have been part of this community that has treated black people and marginalized black people as not mattering you have been part of this that has done this and and the in and the invisibilizing people is also part of communicating that we haven't mattered right so now the jumping on and saying which they should do i'm not saying that they shouldn't do it i'm saying and questioning why now when we have been saying as black people historically it's enough right so i feel that yes the cameras and the cell phones and and the recording and all that is really important that this is happening now but these things have been happen happening and it has been happening within the latino community and we have been articulating i think people here on this call you and milkar and Claribel and people that I know have been working on this have been saying this for many years and we are actually really tired and exhausted of saying this and we're not being heard and we haven't been listened to as we as we should be listened to by saying the same thing that we're saying on this call right that these violations of our human of our humanity have been happening so now people are saying oh yeah black lives matter but you know what also happens when we show up at these marches as black people centering blackness with our signs that say black lives matter i have gotten knocked over by latino folk that are not black with their signs latinos for black lives because <laughs> they're like rushing to go to the front mhm mm and they're like Yeah, Latinos for Black Lives, but I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, what's going on here? Oh, because now it's Latinos for Black Lives, but I'm part of the Latino community, but they don't see my humanity as a Latina woman. But now they're jumping onto Latinos for Black Lives. So there's the contradictions and there's dialogues that folks are unwilling to have and unwilling to acknowledge. And why is that? Because, because there is this, there is, there is an invisibility of blackness that has been happening within the latino community and we know why right we can actually ask people why we can ask just la bombalera why because folks right folks are are welcomed into afro latinidad without being black that's why and people that look like us as i said before that have never found our blackness and never had to identify as black we're really not legitimately acknowledge as being afro latinos so that's where the core issue is and that's where the root is so black lives matter absolutely the demonstrations absolutely i'm a black woman of course i stand with black lives matter there's no there's no there there's there there's nothing there for me there's nothing there's no discussion there for me and black lives matter has always mattered in latin america since i since i was born these violations of our humanity 
these denial of who we are have always happened to police brutality has always been a thing you know go to any community in latin america where black people are concentrated in and i say concentrated because we have been pushed in to live under certain conditions that are like a pressure cooker and for us to live in those conditions like a pressure cooker like the little tap of a pressure cooker i know instapot has replaced pressure cookers now but it's the same thing the lid we are that lid that mm -hmm. keeps society going and without that lid the whole society will explode and society right now is exploding because that lid we're not we're refusing to be that lid but when that lid right that vapor is coming out because we've had enough mm -hmm. and throughout latin america that's happening too but 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 what's happening here i feel that people don't want to see it people also don't want to hear us in latin america so i feel that black folks from latin america we're in this position where we are here and there and almost nowhere Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. It's like we are helping to support strategy in Latin America. And because we live here, um, folks think that we are doing okay. And then folks here, because we exist in Latin America as well, folks don't feel that we're fully here. Right? So I always feel like, I feel like my, my brain is sometimes like a slime Thing. you know i have kids i have you know i said before seven and a nine-year-old and they're always playing with slime i'm like oh my gosh yes this is how i feel right mm -hmm. i feel like my brain is like being stretched like this in so many so many aspects and then when my daughter puts sprinkles on it i'm like this is how i feel mm -hmm. <laughs> right? all stretched out but i'm not sure if that answers it but i gave you some, some cool visuals absolutely absolutely <laughs> um christina um you come to us from the midwest that's right, I'm in Milwaukee. Please share with us some of your thoughts and perspectives um, um, on this particular topic from, that, from, from where you are and how it looks um, in your region. So it's, it's very interesting here, right, as you can imagine. And also to give you more context about my vantage point, while I live in Milwaukee, I, I live on in a suburb on the edge of Milwaukee, right? Um, and it's a suburb, a suburb that's not very diverse. It's largely white. There's a, a little sprinkling of us um, um, Black and Latino people, but not that much, not very populous here. Um, so as you can imagine, how this has manifested in my immediate area is it's been, there's been a number of protests here, but um, very much as you can expect that those protests have been led by the other, not necessarily um, people of color. Um, and so that's been interesting to watch, right? Because in some ways, and, I, and I'll give you the duality of how I see it, in some ways it's been um, beautiful because I've seen some sincerity of people who are just disgusted and beyond themselves with something they're finally waking up to. So um, as John Biev said, this is not new to us, pretty exhausted, quite frankly. It's a reality we've encountered on so many fronts and in so many places. And I've had the, the, the tragedy of witnessing in different parts of the world through my travels, but also where I've lived. So to see some people wake up to it, it's like, okay, finally. And so you're, you're a little bit enthused because people are coming up with heart. And then at the same time, what I've been witnessing is people having um, 
are doing a little hijacking of the conversation, right? So it brought, draws to to point John Bia's comment about people rushing to the front with signs that have their own unique spin on the message. And so there's this splintering of the dialogue. Suddenly it's not as much about Black Lives Matter, right? It's about some other tangential piece of that, which I think in some ways it's, it's driving conversation and we're being this catalyst. Unfortunately, the tragedy happening in our community is being a catalyst for broader conversations in this, this space, which those conversations are good and healthy, but unfortunately, it sometimes, in, in unfortunate moments, takes away from the attention of the critical issue at hand, because um, now we have a time to actually um, drop, put fuel on this in a positive way to help to ignite additional change and visibility. Um, so from my vantage point, it's been very interesting in that way to see other people get involved who come truly from heart, wanting to be a part of change, and, and they're embrace their new awakening, and then those who truly want to co-opt the conversation, even to the point of, you know, I'm just down the street from Kenosha, right, which is where Jacob Blake got shot, right? Mm -hmm. So that's right here in my backyard. And so to even see the protests there and to see those protests be co-opted, because there's a Black population there, there's a healthy Black population, and then you go and you're like, wait a second, Hmm. <laughs> like, look at these people who are at the front of the line. Look at these people who are tossing bad things. Look at people who are igniting violence instead of really driving peaceful conversation or making good trouble, as we say. So it's been a really unique vantage point up here in the Midwest. It's also, this is a, a racially charged area. There's very distinct binary of like those who are for versus against. Everything is politicized. Your identity becomes politicized here. It's immediately showing up as a, a Black woman. You're, you're immediately assumed to have a specific political identity or, or, or affiliation with certain things. And so sometimes it's really hard to kind of have meaningful dialogue in this area, right? So that's one thing I've seen a lack of here, mm -hmm. to be quite honest, from my perspective, mm -hmm. a lack of turning the frustration and the anger and the the differing points of view into meaningful dialogue. And I think that's also because this area is just so politically charged at the moment. Gotcha, gotcha. And Gaby, would you please uh, share with us, and then we'll, 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 we'll go to, to Claudia, share with us your thoughts on, 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 uh, on this conversation, it, it, just from a, from a broad perspective, um, but also from your own personal, pers you know, as more personal um, perspective. Well, it's a very complex issue, right? And there's so many layers to it. Um, to what Genevieve... John... One more time. One more time, and I swear I'm going to get it right. John Viev. John Viev. I got it. John Viev. So what John Viev says, I think that in... You know, I'm Dominican. I feel that Black Lives Matter has always been acknowledged, at least in, in, my, in my growth. Me growing up, I can't speak to... Prior, um, prior generations, I feel that Black Lives Matter has always been important, but at the same time, it's a contradiction, right? Because while Black Lives Matter, there's also been the opposite where you've had to kind of remove your Blackness from your identity. And I don't know if I'm, I'm shifting conversation a little bit because this is just like from my experience, but toning everything that's Black in you or has 
African descent in you down from the hair, from, you know, if you were a little bit darker, we'll try the skin lightening cream, everything that might be attributed to any kind of um, African um, her um, heritage gets toned down. And then there's other people who also celebrate it. So we, in what I've seen is a celebration of, of um, those characteristics, those ethnicities and that, that culture that has been handed down. And then I think when people are rushing now to the forefront, I'm shifting gears a little bit, people who are now shifting the, to, the, to the forefront of the Black Lives Matter movement, I feel they had like a wake-up moment. They're like, oh my God, we have messed up for so long. We have to make this right. Like, we have to make this right right now. But they're so, they're so focused on like showing their support that they have to now move towards to what um, Crystal said, that we have to now move to having effective change. Like one thing is to march, one thing is to be there and to show support, but then you need to have an organized front to make change happen. And, you know, in the corporation side of it, they're, they're promoting to donate to historically black colleges to donate to these um, Afri um, African descendant um, businesses, which is very important. Like we need to shed a light and celebrate the, the blackness that is part of our culture. And um, I think that we, that's one way to celebrate, to celebrate that. But now we have to also move towards making changes, like making definitive changes, like, Black lives matter, but Black lives matter always. And they will always, like, and that is in every level of society. And we have to continue to support that in, in each way. I hope I answered your question because I kind of yeah. moved a lot around. And I just spoke from my experience, but I hope that that answers it a little bit. I had so many thoughts coming down because Genevieve had such great points too. So I was like digressing to it in my head, but valid <laughs> point. <laughs> but we can, and we'll, we'll be doubling, doubling back with some of these, so, so no worries at all. Um, Claribel, please share with us some of your thoughts and impressions. Um, um, you know, I know that there was, uh, at the, I guess it was in May, June, um, there was, uh, there was some, some tension uptown um, with regards to some of the, 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 the uh, small business vendors who were, um, asserted that they were protecting their 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 areas, their businesses, and and there was some tension uptown. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about that, and and tell us how that how that was resolved. And um, you know, I because I saw some of the the, the the some of the powerful images of the efforts at resolution. And um, so, tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah. So first, we just want to start off with acknowledging that. Uh, whatever we, we speak of, it is, is coming from our perspective, right? And that our perspective is somebody who has grown up here in the United States, um, specifically in New York City, and then even more specifically in the Bronx. And growing up during a time where, um, it, during a time where there was a minimum amount of people who were Dominican. So, uh, and that we grew up culturally Dominican, that we say, because we understand that there's a lot of culture that we, that we embody that has been lost to us that we have had to like start to learn about right and start to um you know uh, yeah like 
take on so that we honor our ancestors. Um, and so, so we're coming from that perspective and also being a first generation um, immigrant here in the United States with older sisters who were born there and then became citizens here. Um, and we also want to acknowledge that our, our uh, pronouns are we, us, you. So if you hear us um, speaking in that, we are referring to personally and that we will try our best to um, ensure that you understand that we're speaking from a personal, even if we, we do use the, the we, us, and you. And there may be times where we do say I just because it could, it could get muddy. You know, language is like that. We, it, we're creating language all the time uh, so that we really understand what our, our thoughts with each other. So um, before we start with um, answering your question about what happened in uptown, we just want to say, <laughs> and, and thankfully you're going to be cutting this up. So one of the things that we feel is that, you know, with these white people coming up, and wanting to like be up in the front lines is about time. I'm tired of black bodies being on the front line and getting hurt and getting killed. And so it's just like, you fine, you wanna, you wanna do that by all means because we've, we've been doing this for quite some time and, and we're done. I mean, not done because we co are constantly in the uprising, in the protest, right. but it's just like, you know, it's, it's time now that you've seen the detriment in another way, it's time that you do that, you, you do that. You, you be on the front lines and see how that feels, putting your body it, all the time at risk. 24, 365 days, you know, all the time we are at risk. Uh, and that was just a thought that sparked. <laughs> it was just like, you know, go ahead. What we don't appreciate is people saying that they're for Black Lives Matter when they have never been for Black Lives Matter from years before. And then they, they actually are taking this moment to co-op something that they are completely not even in alignment with, but they say that they're in alignment with. And that, and that goes, you know, from institutions, um, museum institutions, school institutions, all these people saying, oh, we feel for Black Lives Matter. And then at the, at the end of the day, they're still behaving, uh, you know, they're still, they're still embodying this racialized system and they're still behaving in ways that, that is detrimental, detrimental to us as Black people. Mm -hmm. um, and so, 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 and we say that, you know, in recognizing, you know, when the movement, movement first started, like really, even in the languaging of how, um, you know, when, when you asked us that, when you sent us the questions, right, and we were, and we were like, okay, you know, Black Lives Matter, and we just started remembering the book um, that Patrice uh, Colors wrote, when they called you a terrorist, and just thinking about how, um, in essence, that that idea, right, that you as a black person are here to do us harm when the harm has always been towards us. Right? And so, um, and now all of a sudden, you know, in this, in this, because we asked a couple of people, we're like, so why now is, do you feel it's so important? You know, like all of a sudden you want to, you want to, you want to call me and ask if I'm okay. <laughs> Like you weren't calling me before, but you're calling me now. And, um, or why are all this concern? And it's just, you know, uh, understanding that. And we really, we were analyzing it and we were like, give it, yeah. We were analyzing, we were like, you know, COVID really, you know, scared, scared you into something, you know, COVID, is it the COVID that happened, the enclosing of all of us in this space, you know, having to, you know, uh, uh, 
encumber ourselves in our in our homes, you know, and then the unfortunate incident with George Floyd, which is which which you know uh, it's so unfortunate because it's just like, well, let's name all the other human beings, right? Let's name everyone else who who was um who was killed in violent ways and, and you know we we've been living this and now all of a sudden you want to act as if this is somehow you know uh, uh i don't know like and it's and we're thankful that people are you know at the same time and at the same time we are thankful that people are now uprising but yet there's that place of like you know we try not to be cynicist you know cynicist you know like apathy but it's just like you know why why would it take your own life being your own life why would it take that like you almost at the brink of your own death for you to you know like um have an excel of empathy or something it's just like why why would it take that mm -hmm. and um which is uh frustrating and then inside of that inside of the uptown and and um um we don't want to mispronounce your name. Hetty? Gady? Gady. Gady. And Gady, um, so um, are you in New York City just by, by? I am. I'm in the Bronx. We're neighbors. Okay. okay we're, we're living in Brooklyn right now, but yeah, we, <laughs> we were. Uh, so that incident that happened in Washington Heights, when it happened in Washington Heights and we were seeing it real time, like on, you know, like not real time, like we, we received a Washington, uh, a, a report from patch.com about what took place in Washington Heights, the, the video. Um, we were very disappointed. I mean, we were, we were really angry. We were angry, we were disappointed. We were like, um, and we were cursing up a stone. We were cursing up a stone. We were like, you know, these, you know, what, what would make you think that here again, this incident, and we have to say that, you know, as much as um, Black Lives Matter doesn't matter to every Black person who, who, it, who looks, who we know is Black, Perfect. Perfect. Um, that, is, that is the, the case of it. We know too many Dominicans who are, are in denial, who haven't ever done any research, who, you know, and and uh who and it's it's disheartening it's disheartening to to see them to to see people who behave that in in any way that would um that continues to uh denigrate one another right yes and um and we and we had a moment we had a moment we put up on facebook we were like we hate these dominicans <laughs> just we were just like because it was frustrating because be like none you know you don't you don't get what you're doing to yourself you don't get the historical the continuous historical decimation of not only someone who is really could be your brother you have no idea you know we all landed in different places we all got taken we all got placed differently you, you don't know it could be your you know your cousin and here we are doing this this um here you are having this uh, context, this this ideology that you live inside of that is constantly detrimental. Yes. And um, so we recognize, like, unfortunately, that not every Black person who, not every, they, that they don't see that our lives matter. And mm -hmm. we, we say that from coming from the context of somebody who grew up culturally Dominican, right? 
right. and uh, and seeing that kind of um, embodied that denial of that denial and denial of being black, denial of being African, you know, like any of those two things, the denial of that. And, and I know it's like the, the the ignoring of it, completely like turning your head from it and removing any kind of like any kind of reference you know, to it. The, you want to be as close to whiteness as possible, right? You want to be, you want to extract, you want to be as far away from the Haitian Revolution as possible. You want to be because of all of this history and all of these things that what the West were, were doing. So we, we understand that there's that that needs to get um, brought back up, that needs to have our, the stories, the, the truth of these stories told. And um, so that we can have this sense of, so that there is that sense of understanding um, who we are as a as a people, and that we are, and that we all of us, we listen. All I know is that the intention was we were never supposed to survive, and this I know, and this I carry with all the time. Being like, you know, as people from the Caribbean and Latin America, North America, all of us, like the intention was never for us to go back to Africa. The intention was never for us to 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 be here as we are and we should not feel any level of disrespect like the the reason why you know it's been created so that you don't people want to negate you know negritude they want to negate being negro they want to negate all these things because we've been told that that you know go down the list of what that means for some people and for me it's just like no i honor and respect what our ancestors went through and i honor and respect that with under with like um with being like, I'm not, I am, we need to have that be spoken about much more often, the way that language is used to, um, to literally, you know, as, you know, erase, erase the things that have happened and also right. to make it seem as if we're to, to have that shame upon us, like that we should be ashamed that we are African descended, that we, that we should be ashamed of the enslavement that our forefathers went through. When it's just like, you know, hell no, no, because we're here and be, and no, actually that, that makes me much more stronger. Yes. All of that, that which has happened, that, that is in constituted in our DNA. And that is, you know, that is to be celebrated. That is to be acknowledged. And I wanted to kind of um, add, Claribel, well, to what you, what you just shared. Because, if fo you know, I've always questioned, right? If folks, it happens throughout Latin America, I feel like DR is very specific, right? Um, but it happens throughout Latin America with, 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 in Spanish it's called endoracismo, you know, internalized racism, et cetera, et cetera. You know, a lot of countries in Latin America, you know, like Brazil, Panama, Colombia, especially certain areas for me are undeniably black countries. DR is one of them, right? Haiti, of course, you know, if, and if folks, when when I when I say like if folks don't want to choose to identify as black, okay, cool. But when it comes to and when I when you know and because I do I do workshops right I do workshops around identity. And when folks can't stay in their lane around their own identity, that's when it becomes so dangerous because you inflict pain and you prevent others on their path towards 
their identity, but then you block power. Right. And that's where, that's where we are at. Right. We're people that are denying who they are and they have the right to do that. You have the right to, you know, if I, if I'm a black woman and I decide, okay, you know what, today I'm going to be white. I have the right to do that. <laughs> right. But what I should not do is then deny other people. I should just stay in my lane. I should just stay in my lane and internalize all my stuff and call it the day. But then when I start saying to other people, ah, but look at how you look and look at your nose and look at your lips and look at your hair and look at the this and look at the that and you go your child and look at these group of people and they're worthless of these rights and they're worthless of their humanity and they're, you know, then I'm inflicting a whole lot of other things and I hear it and I see it and how it plays out to the point that we have broken people in our communities and broken systems in our communities that then how do we then fight for rights and then heal at the same time? And those are things that have to be done simultaneously and they become so hard to do. And the people that are doing that work, all of us here on this call, how are we tasked to do that for ourselves at the right. same time? Mm -hmm. And then that becomes, that becomes almost impossible at this, you know, Mm -hmm. You know, so, so those are just things that, that I navigate, especially, you know, some of us on the call are parents, right? Especially, you know, this, this myth, we can, I call it a myth of raising free black children, right? Raising free black children inside our houses and then having to trust these folks with our children outside of our houses, knowing that even within these communities, people don't see our children for who they are because they never see us for who they are and they're in our communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So it just becomes like, yes, we do matter. We know that, but do we really matter in the practice and how do we navigate those things and not give up hope because I still have hope. That's all the time we have for today. We want to thank our moderator, Amilcar Priestley and our panelists, Christina Marshall Valdez, Janviev Williams Comrie, Gaidi Munoz, and Claribel Ruiz. Join us next week for part two of this discussion with Amilcar and today's guests, which will focus on the impact of Black Lives Matter on the Latinx community.